Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, and Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Yeah, I'm all right. Uh, just riding the up and down roller coaster of will will there be football? Will there not be football? It's up and it's down. And I used to say we had good days and bad days. Now it seems like there's good hours and bad hours. Changes that much. Yeah, it does. It changes that quickly all the time. Um, yesterday, I, I was pessimistic. Today, I'm optimistic. Um, I, I'm going to need a therapist after all of this. There is no doubt about that. Another therapist. I should have two therapists. One, monitoring the therapist I currently have to make sure they don't go crazy. Um, but I think that the theme of the day, and we have put off this last podcast of the week as long as we could. We were waiting patiently, like everybody else, for the schedule to be revealed, at least who our two new opponents would be to be revealed. Uh, the SEC apparently will release a schedule today, they've said, uh, or at least those two opponents, and then the actual schedule when you play whom will be released next week. So, I mean, I, I don't know what to say, except we're going to keep checking Twitter as this podcast goes along. And if it comes up that, uh, that our two opponents – are announced. We will certainly pass that information along. You will probably already know it, but we will have commentary on it. So, Jimmy, I don't, I don't know what to say, but that right now. Well, it is. I mean, you know, it's the strangest world of all time. I mean, we're supposed to be starting fall camp today on a normal, non-COVID schedule. We would be starting fall camp. The Cowboys and Steelers would have played last night. We'd have had our first taste of football. Um, with, with, with anxiously awaiting practice reports this afternoon. That is not the case. What we're anxiously awaiting on is finding out who we're going to play this season. So that is just crazy and just never before seen. But, hey, it's, it's better than nothing because uh, we could end up with nothing. And there was a long time this spring and summer where we thought there would be nothing. So I'm just glad that we do have some football to look forward to. And as to who those opponents are, uh, you know, it's five possible opponents. We're playing two of them. I figure, in my own personal opinion, the two best teams that we could possibly play, in my opinion, are Florida and Kentucky. I think they're the two best of the potential five. And frankly, if it's Florida and Kentucky, I don't care. I mean, I, I'm very confident in our team. And uh, if we play Florida, that's fine. I think it's a bigger problem for Florida than it is for Alabama. So uh, it, it really doesn't matter to me a whole lot. If it's Florida and Kentucky, I won't feel like we got hosed because, hey, let's do it. Let's let's uh, let's play the toughest schedule possible. Anything that's going to impress the committee, because just like everything else this year, uh, the playoff is going to be weird, too. You, you better go into that that committee meeting on December 20th with a really, really strong resume. So tougher the schedule, better the resume. Yeah, but I won't go another route here, Jimmy. Uh, with teams like Minnesota uh, losing their best player as a, a, a fleet of jets apparently goes over my house right now. Um, I have absolutely no idea. I think I'm being attacked. What the hell was that? Um, but anyway, um, I think that – so Minnesota lost their best receiver. Penn State's already lost uh, Mike Parsons. Uh, there were seven players – I want to say, was it from Virginia Tech? Who did, who did Virginia Maryland, Tech lost? Maryland, Maryland just yeah. lost a bunch, including yeah. their quarterback. Yeah. I, I mean, look, here's the thing. Um, you're going to have uh, 
a lot of teams like Clemson, assuming now Clemson may lose Xavier Thomas for a while, the outstanding defensive lineman because uh, of a COVID test earlier and now strip throat or something. So there could be complications from all that. Uh, he may not play this year, but they had not anybody opt out to my knowledge. And they did lose Justin Ross, obviously to an injury earlier, but um, Ohio state hadn't had anybody sit out yet. My point is, you know, if Ohio state, is going to be in the Big Ten, and you've got a bunch of Big Ten guys like Rondell Moore. They do play Purdue sitting out, and they do play Penn State, and Michael Parsons is sitting out. If you've got those guys sitting out, Ohio State and Clemson are going to have cakewalks more so than the cakewalks they already had. It's not even a cakewalk anymore. It's just sit down and people bring you cakes. Um, so, meanwhile, <laughs> Alabama uh, is – you know, is going to still be in the SEC, and I, I haven't heard anybody from Georgia sitting out, or anybody from LSU sitting out, or anybody from uh, A and M sitting out, or anybody from A and M. Now, I have heard from a a guy from Auburn, Chandler Wooten, but he's far from their best linebacker. Um, now, they may have some more opt out. I don't know. There are rumors out there. They may have some more opt out. Um, but the point is that I think this year, more so than any other year, it's going to just be important to be undefeated because it's going to be. Who can survive all this uh, without having the the injuries or the the COVID complications or just the opt outs in general? And um, the best record's going to get in, right? Well, and, and there's a case to be made for that for sure. We don't know; no one's ever played a season like this. But I think with the opt outs, we are seeing the tip of the iceberg. I I think next week. I, I think in the in the, in the days to come before practice really gets started up. I'm predicting practically an avalanche of players opting out, an avalanche. Uh, and it will include Alabama guys. I, I think, you know, there, there's no specific, you know, stars at Alabama who, who are opting out as of today. I know that's true today, but I think the more guys that opt out will just lead to more guys opting out. And this season will be a, who's left on the roster by, by December between the, the losses of players who opt out and the losses of, uh, of, of guys you actually lose to COVID in, in contact tracing. And almost week to week, who knows? I know Alabama's got great depth. Our depth is a huge advantage in this situation compared to other programs. But, you know, last night I was watching the first half of Alabama-Auburn from last year again. And one thing that struck me, even non-COVID, non-COVID, Alabama started what amounts to this year's fifth team tight end in the game. Major Tennyson started the game, and I'm not ripping on the kid. I'm just saying he's obviously not the normal starter at Alabama. This year at tight end, I would say the first team guys, Miller Forstall, second team guy, Carl Tucker, you could call him 1A and 1B because really they're both going to play an equal amount. Uh, the next guy beyond them, I think this this fall will be Billingsley, who's going to be kind of the number two H behind Forstall. The next guy behind that, based on early reports, is Cameron Latu, who is a high upside athlete who's just now, I think, really grasping hold of tight end. So Major Tennyson started the Auburn game. He's the fifth tight end on this team. Uh, we, we didn't have D.J. Dale for Auburn. Raekwon was playing hurt. Uh, we already know what our situation at linebacker is, and then Anthony Jennings got hurt in the Auburn game and had to come out. And football is just a game of attrition, but this year it's like attrition on steroids, and you might have a different lineup every week. So who knows? 
Uh, I, I just know fans just have this belief that our third team guys are going to be better than uh, than Ole Miss's starters, and uh, it's just not true in, in, in all or most cases. So it's going to be a crazy year. It is going to be a crazy year, and I'll tell you something else is crazy. If you don't go to Rock Auto for your auto parts needs, you are officially bananas. It's the place to go, Rock Auto, R-O-C-K-A-U-T-O dot com. Go check them out. All the parts your car will ever need at incredibly low prices. Look, you're cutting out a middleman here, so you want to go to Rock Auto if you're a do-it-yourselfer, even if you know a do-it-yourselfer and you're like, hey, I can buy the parts. If you help me out with the labor, that, that's fantastic. That's a great way to save money on your automobiles. Go to rockauto.com. You can even get your motor oil there. That's absolutely incredible. Rock Auto, R-O-C-K-A-U-T-O.com. All the parts your car will ever need. So, Jimmy, um, a couple of things that were out there. And again, I'm feverishly checking Twitter as we're doing this podcast, trying to see if they've talked about the schedule yet. Um, did you see the video of Kendrick Blackshire doing a, a workout, which looked like something that you, that Rocky might've done to fight Drago? <laughs> I have not seen that. You got me there and I, I stare at Twitter all day long. So that's pretty, uh, all right. It's a good fight. You need to go to Twitter. Seen. You need it is the dangest thing I've ever seen. He's holding a 45 pound weight, uh, one of the ones you put on a, a bench Plate. press, and he's jumping over, uh, you know, various things and jumping on things and jumping through things and running around things and just holding this this plate, this 45 pound plate, and it looks he looks like a superhero. Uh, he really does. He looks like you remember in Superman two when. Um, I think he threw a, a manhole cover and and hit one of the the, the three villains. He looked like yeah. he was carrying a manhole cover and he could throw it like a frisbee. He is an incredible specimen. I have no idea if he's going to be good at linebacker or whatever. All I can say is, via that workout, I would have said, "Hey, let's sign him for any sport, doing anything." <laughs> you know, it reminds me. No, no, no. That story sort of reminds me of and. And maybe this is a good comparison, although it was someone we signed to play inside linebacker, but he did not end his career at inside linebacker, but he was a very fine football player. Robert Stewart. You know, oh, th yeah. Th th there's legendary stories of Robert Stewart's natural strength. He was a good athlete, com comes to Alabama as an inside linebacker, sees time at fullback. But yep. by the time he eats, all we gave him to eat and lifts, all we gave him to lift by his junior year, he was a nose guard. And not only was he a nose guard, he was one of the most athletic nose guards in Alabama school history. This guy was quick and he was strong and uh, he was a big part of what was a really, really good defense in 1990 and 1991. Uh, yep. I, and I'm not saying Blackshire is going to grow into a nose guard. I'm just saying that these lifting stories and superhuman strength and inside linebacker. Uh, you add all that up, and I'm like, it harkens back to the days of Robert Stewart. I'm pretty sure Robert Stewart ate Brian Bergdorf. Now, that was a rumor. <laughs> I don't know if it actually happened, but I haven't seen Brian Bergdorf since about 1993. So, I, I you know, I'm just saying. 
Um, and Brian Bergdorf was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to put up a fight because <laughs> things would only get worse. So, um, and then there was another video. I know you had to see this one of Evan Neal doing some kind of plyometric looking funky workout where he, there's two boxes uh, at the North and South of uh, Evan Neal. He jumps up, puts left leg North, right leg South while landing on both boxes about 36 inches in the air. And that made the rounds on Twitter and it got everybody's attention. It's the damnedest thing I've ever seen. And I made a comment on Crimson Country Club. I said, you know, when I first saw it, because I started doing some plyometrics again myself a little bit, I mean, just a little bit at the Lifetime Fitness over there in Vestavia uh, when I work out on the weekends as a weekend warrior. Um, And I was like, hey, I wonder if I could do that. And my groin immediately told me, don't even freaking think about it. <laughs> uh, all I'll say, but yeah, I've seen it. And, and all I'll say is, you know, it, it, it's one thing and, and don't, don't ever run with one thing. But I'm not just talking about the, that one thing when I say what I'm about to say, but it is not inconceivable at all. It's not kooky talk. If I said, Evan Neal will be the very first pick in the 2022 NFL draft. That's not crazy talk. And I'm not predicting it. I'm not saying, hey, this is what I think we're going to find in 2022. It's not what I would predict at all. I'm just saying that that's not a, that's not a crazy thing to say. Yeah. I, I, in fact, I would say it's quite likely. I mean, I'm not so sure he wouldn't be a top 10 pick this year. With his upside, think? Uh, I think it's a, it's with his upside, it's a fair thing to say. And, and, and I think what's going to do it for him is positional versatility. Not that the NFL ever takes an offensive lineman first overall in the draft. If you're going to be the first offensive lineman picked in a draft, you better be a left tackle. That, that's what you have to be to be the first pick in the draft. Well, Evan's most likely going to play right tackle for Alabama this year, but there's a really good chance that in the 2021 season, in his junior year, he will replace Alex Leatherwood and be Alabama's left tackle. And uh, and if he has one of those crazy seasons where he wins the Outland or the Lombardi and is one of those left tackles that doesn't give up a sack all year, even though he's playing in the SEC, uh, I, th- I think the fact that he played guard right tackle and then finally home at left tackle is, is what could do the, the trick for him. But, again, I'm not saying he'll be the, the very first pick. I'm just saying it's not comical. It's not crazy to suggest that he might be. Not at all. Uh, and finally, today, it looks like is the birthday of both Dante Hall and Jalen Hurts, and two guys that I couldn't love any more than I already do. Um, and Dante Hall played again the other night on ESPN. I got to see him some. Uh, he had a decent little stat line again, and Brooklyn's going to make the playoffs. And uh, Dante Hall's working his way into a position to make some money. I don't, You know, he's not going to be uh, LeBron James. I mean, let's not go nuts. But uh, – you know, I think he's sort of a thinner Ben Wallace. Um, he's got that same kind of attitude, but obviously he can't clear the space like Wallace could, but he's got better hops than Wallace. Um, meanwhile, Jalen Hurts, uh, so I just saw it on Twitter that uh, the Eagles tweeted out, happy birthday, Jalen Hurts. And, man, I, I'm just – just I could wax poetic about Jalen Hurts all day, every now and again. I have a lot of games saved on my uh, my – DVR or whatever the hell it is that you call it. And um, and the one I always come back to is 2008, 2018 Georgia. 
and uh, even more so than the national championship game against Georgia, the 2018 uh, SEC title game where Jalen Hurts steps in for Tua, and it was just – the story just wrote itself. I mean, that's if that's not some kind of SEC-storied uh, program it, it, at some point in the future, they're missing out. But happy birthday, Jalen, and happy birthday, Dante. Yeah, it was a gift to me uh, it was as if it was my birthday but and, and not Jalen's, but uh, I ordered and got in the mail this cool – Eagles t-shirt. It's just an Eagles t-shirt. I wear a lot of t-shirts around, but I certainly do around the house. <laughs> so it's because it's probably a little expensive to buy a t-shirt that I'm primarily just going to wear around the house, but it's a, a green, the Eagles green t-shirt. And on the front is the Eagles cool logo. So that's all it's on. It's just a green t-shirt and in gray, it's got the Eagles logo. And then on the back, uh, it says Hertz number two, you know, Hertz two, like it's a Jersey. And, uh, Man, that, so that that was my uh, me honoring uh, Jalen Hurts, one of my all-time favorite Alabama football players. And uh, I have also, in fairness sake, ordered a number one, this, basically the same version of the shirt from the Miami Dolphins with the Dolphins logo on front and 201 on the back, and I'm waiting for that to arrive. So that was my summer gifts to myself, Jalen Hurts T-shirt, and to give equal time, of course, a Tua T-shirt. So, Jimmy, for this last segment, uh, we'll just continue to bounce around. I, I really was hoping that the schedule would come out while we're doing this and we could just have our initial right. reactions to this. But it's just – apparently it's just not going to happen. Uh, well, Dan, We Wolf might do a short one. Maybe we can do a short one for our throngs of fans this afternoon because uh, I do think there's a good chance this afternoon we'll know those two – the two opponents. We, we probably still won't know the schedule. Uh, there's apparently been issues huh. – and I, I don't know, I'm not reporting this because how the hell would I know? So th this is, well, look, I'm repeating a rumor, let's just put it that way, but I, I sort of believe it based on, based on a bunch of things. But the rumor is, you know, the, the draft of schedule in the SEC is like, all right, this is it. And Florida was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Our every year opponent is LSU. We play Georgia every year. And now basically rotationally, you hand us Alabama and Texas A&M. We're mm -hmm. not playing the best team in the East and the top three teams in the West. And apparently they bitch enough to where they they crumble it up and threw it in the can and said, all right, we'll come up with something else. Well, frankly, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know that that's true. But I think Florida would, would have been okay with it if they're like, okay, and Georgia picks up uh, LSU and A&M. You know, but in, now Georgia right. already has Alabama and Auburn. I mean, let's go ahead and give the credit where credit's due. However, I think if I'm Florida, I'm like, look, we're in this pandemic too. Don't put, don't penalize <laughs> us for being, you know, in the pandemic. And I think they have a point. And, I, you know, if you peruse an Auburn message board, they are just up in arms. Little Nikki is, is pitching a fit. Nick Saban ain't pitching a fit. What, I mean, what the rotation was Florida and Mandy going to the swamp with nobody there is not a big deal. Going to the we hadn't lost in the swamp since 2006, and I was at that game, and we almost won it with Mike Shula against Urban Meyer. So it's yeah, not. I, that I don't think Alabama cares. Florida's the only team you can add that would cause an eyebrow to be raised, and in, in, in my opinion or my thoughts, and people from talking to people around the program, I, I, I don't think Alabama cares. That I think they'd be fine if they. If they added Florida. You have to remember, we lost USC off the schedule we're going to play anyway. Is Florida better than USC? Yes. Yes, Florida's better than USC. Is Florida 100 times better than USC? No. No. As a matter of fact, USC's quarterback was probably better 
and playing, or playing the best quarterback we would see all year in the opener with our brand new secondary, I think people would be surprised to find out that probably had us as worried as we would be playing Florida, you know, mid-season. Um, well, so and again, it's, it's not that big a deal. Well, the other side of that is um, I think Florida would be okay, but Georgia got the least – uh, the worst two teams out of the West in Arkansas and Mississippi state. And, and there's, again, that's just simply not fair. And everybody says, well, it's luck of the draw. I, I, on normal circumstances, I would agree if this were just part of the normal rotation, if this were part of the, what we do every year, this is a one-off pandemic year. And I think we need to take that into account. In fact, I, I will say this again. I've said it on this podcast. I've said it on my other shows. I've said it everywhere that this year we should scratch divisions, just say no divisions this year. Best two teams play in the title game. If those two teams, if it's a rematch, so be it. If this is the first time they've met, so be it. Uh, in fact, I would be all for saying, you know what, let's just keep your three main rivals or two main rivals or one main rival or whatever, and then pick the schedules accordingly. Um, and if you're Vandy, maybe, you know, the, the, the counter that would be if you're Vandy, you say, hey, Whoever we pick up is better than we are, so why don't you quit bitching? Well, let's let's call a spade a spade. If this were a debate tournament, then we'd say, Vandy, we want to hear what you have to say. In football, we don't really give a shit. It's, you know, I'm sorry. I don't mean that. Meaning that all SEC football teams are not created equal, and it's, cert- it's blatantly unfair for Florida to pick up Alabama and AM when Georgia picks up Mississippi State and Arkansas, and those two are clearly the best two in the East. And right. it doesn't, the, it, if I'm Dan Mullen and I'm on one of these pivotal years where people are like, okay, you recruit, they just lost another recruit um, to Miami, uh, a five star. They're probably going to lose Jason Marshall to Miami. They thought they'd lose him to us, but they're probably going to lose him to Miami. And uh, Miami's kicking butt on the recruiting trail. And so Dan Mullen is is uh, solidifying that reputation as great coach, very mediocre recruiter. And that's scaring Florida a lot because that's tough. You know, when you're at Mississippi State and people show up giving you about 80% of their give a shit because you're Mississippi State, that can win you some games. Every game against Florida is a big game. So everybody's going to show up with 100%. And so when you have much lesser talent, you can be the best coach in the world. It's going to be a problem. Yeah, it looked to me, and I think this is what they're doing now. I don't think this was the initial thing, but I've looked at what the other leagues have done in terms of adding their games. And this is loose. I'm not saying this is gospel in terms of how how it worked, but it looked to me like the other leagues did this. And I think the SEC is doing it now, which is why it took a rework or two. And that is – in, in a list that the public will never see down in the basement, you know, they probably did it on a napkin where they could set fire to it. So nobody would see it. But I think in a, in, in a napkin, they, you know, they had their, their best football expert in the building lineup, the sec one through 14. I mean, who's the best uh, team this fall? Uh, well, I mean, you can even use the coaches poll, you know, well, it's Alabama and then it's Georgia and then it's LSU. I mean, you know, all the way down to 14. And I think the idea is, Best you can, because it won't be easy, because there's two divisions and, and there's only a pool of five teams that you're adding two from. But best you can, what I think they want to do is each team will place one team in the top group and another team in the bottom group. So everybody's adding, quote, a good opponent, but everybody's also adding someone in the bottom. So 
that appears to, to be what the Big Ten and the ACC have done when they've added games. And I, I would think the, AC, the SEC is likely trying to do the same thing in the first initial draft. You know, Florida is playing two teams in the top group. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You just put two of the top 13 teams in America on our schedule. And, you know, so I, I think that's what they're doing. I think, I think there's going to be an effort for everyone to add one good team and one team at the bottom. But they're also never going to tell us how they lined them up, one through 14, because that would be political suicide. Yeah, and I think the other thing this this right about this, Jimmy, is that's a good way to put it, that they're adding two of the top 13 teams in the country. And, um, you know, the the thing that strikes me as odd now, because there's been such a brouhaha about this and everybody's sort of built up this anxiety about what everybody's going to get, I think if Alabama even gets the Florida-Vandy rotational deal, that uh, they're like, okay, we, we divvied all this up and Alabama still got Florida and Vandy. Everybody'd be like, I knew it. I knew they'd get Vanderbilt. And we'd be like, hey, this is what y'all wanted us to do. And we just ended up doing it. The only thing that changed was that Florida got Alabama and Mississippi State and Georgia got LSU and Arkansas. And if I think Florida would say, okay, I can live with that. If Georgia picks up LSU and Arkansas and we pick up Alabama and Mississippi State, that's just a, a pandemic type of year. I get it. Um, and I think we can all live with that. And the other thing that, that a friend of ours brought to our attention, you know, let's not discount how much uh, CBS or ESPN may have to say in this. Now, I think uh, hypothetically it could happen. Uh, does it really happen? I don't know. I would say the conspiracy theorist in me does believe TV has a play in this. But uh, they would probably say, hey, look, it ain't real good for us to have a weekend where Georgia's playing Mississippi State or Arkansas. We want Georgia LSU. We want Florida Alabama. Now, that's fine. You got to even this thing up, but don't make it where Georgia is playing those two because here's the other thing. If Florida plays A&M and Alabama, chances are they lose both of those games. And all of a sudden, now you can't even put Florida on CBS anymore because they're out of the damn contest. They're like Kramer. <laughs> I don't even think it's conspiracy theorists to say that TV has something to do with it. I, I, I don't know if TV is in the room when these decisions are being made or even on the phone, but they're like a, an omnipresent ghost in the room. I mean, any, any decision being made is being made with the idea that it's on, uh, you know, that, that, hey, we got to make our people at ESPN and CBS happy. But, hey, that's going to happen. With everybody playing nothing but conference schedules, I mean – you know, hey, hey, and people starve for football. If the two worst teams in the SEC this year are Arkansas and Vanderbilt, I tell you what, if Arkansas played Vanderbilt next Thursday night on pay-per-view, they, they get my $49.99. I'm watching. Oh, I'm so, all in. <laughs> so I, I think the ratings are going to be huge. And, and now you're throwing out, for lack of a better term, all the crap games, you know, the games between top 10 teams and, and FCS schools or, 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 or MAC schools. They're all out, replaced by conference opponents. So the, the schedule strength is going to be high. The interest is going to be huge. I'm excited to get it underway. I'll, I'll look at a couple of schedule sites every day waiting for them to be updated. But what I'm really looking at is, okay, okay, where are we at in terms of who's playing on the 29th? Who's playing Labor Day weekend? Like yesterday it was set that Labor Day night, which was going to be Georgia versus Virginia, is now going to be BYU versus Navy. Oh, hell and, and, yeah. And we can, 
We can choose to be disappointed that it's not Georgia, Virginia, but am I going to watch BYU play Navy? Yes, I am. When the Mormons and the midshipmen get together, baby, you can throw out the record books. Um, you can in this game too, because both teams will be zero and zero. <laughs> All right. Well, Jimmy, that's going to do it for this podcast. But if we do get a schedule this afternoon, like we're supposed to, we may meet up for another quickie uh, podcast and uh, we will put that out as quickly as we can. So appreciate it by listening and roll tide. Enjoy the first day of camp. Oh, psych. 10 days. <laughs> roll tide. Roll tide.